God's promises. Everybody likes a promise, right? But you like a promise most, mostly when it comes from somebody with the integrity and character of knowing that it's going to happen, all right? You see, a promise happens. A promise, and especially a promise from God, happens 100% of the time, all right? But today, if you look at most people's lives, Christians, um, we deal with a lot of struggles, you know, and I think if as as time progresses, that we deal we're dealing with more and more struggles, and in time it gets a little tough. And a lot of times, our 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 time with our church becomes more all about focusing on fixing the struggles in my life. Now, don't misunderstand me. That's what the church is for, also. But see, we need to be at a place where in our Christian wall to where we can. Balance everything. Remember, I told you since we started this, there's a clean balance to everything. But your life doesn't just need to be all about dealing with struggles, okay? You need to be willing to, to or be in a position to where you can be the light, as Stephen was talking about, and set the example that we talked about last week when I talked about sharing your faith. As a matter of fact, I hope that God put somebody across your path last week and you were able to share your faith because that's, listen guys, that's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to do. But struggles in your life, they're going to come because we live in a fallen world. But you need to get to a place to where you're spiritually mature enough that you can handle the struggles as well as continue to walk in the peace, in the love of God, and walking out the plan of God that he has for you with a smile on your face. You can stand in faith, deal with the struggle, smile, and walk down the street and share the gospel with a smile from one ear to the other. And you know, part of the problem is people don't truly understand who they are in Christ. You hear me say that a lot. You know, you, I hear you. I tell you that I remind you that you are very valuable to this whole situation, the whole kingdom of God. You play a pivotal role. You may not see that in yourself because so many people deal with so many insecurities in life that come from how they were brought up. It, can, it may come from an abusive relationship. It, it comes from just life in general. Well, I'm going to tell you, you need to get to a spot in your life where you have the confidence in who you are, see the value in you that God saw in you to send his only son to die for you and understand that you were created with a purpose that plays into the whole advancement of the kingdom of God. Amen? You've got to get that in your, in your heart. You've got to see it. You've got to see it. There's not a person in here that doesn't have a part to play. Now, you what that part is between that's between you and God. All right, but you got to understand that you play a part, and that value you've got to see it. You've got to see it. I can tell you a hundred times, but until you see it and realize it yourself, you're not going to grasp the whole concept. All right, but you got to understand you play a part. Okay, but and now, in order to deal with the struggles and chaos. In your life, you got to know what God's promises are. All right? Too often, we don't even know what the promises of God are and understand the promises of God is how you're going to deal with the struggles that come up in your life. All right? So you got to know two things you got to understand who you are in Christ, and you got to understand what the promises of God are. All right? And, you, and I, know, I know you've probably heard me say 
over and over up here. You know, stand on the promises of God. Don't back down. Don't back down. You, find, you stand on the word. What do you believe in God for? You stand on the word. Well, that's what we're talking about. Standing on the promises of God. Now, I'm going to start by looking at Galatians 3, verse 29. Galatians 3, verse 29. Now, remember, you've got to know who you are in Christ. So we're going to start there. All right? Galatians 3, 29. It says, And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. All right? So it tells us right there, you are an heir of God. All right? Do you know what that means to be an heir? I mean, and, and as a matter of fact, if you look at Romans eight seventeen, it says, Since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So essentially, Romans eight seventeen is telling us that if you're born again, you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ himself. Man, that's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. You are an heir. You have an inheritance, all right? Now, if, if I told you, Lord is here, that she had an inheritance of $10 million, she had a great uncle in California that left her $10 million, it wouldn't take, Lord, Lourdes would be on the next plane. She probably wouldn't stay till the end of service to go and try to take advantage of that inheritance, right? Well, listen, we need to have that same mindset with the promises of God in our life because you are an heir. He left, Jesus Christ left us inheritance when he died. Amen. So, you got to ask yourself, are you living as an heir? All right? Are you living understanding who you are in Christ when the benefits of the promise of God? Are you living that way? Well, all right. What, does an, what is an heir? All right, the definition of an heir is a person legally entitled to the property or rank of another person's on, a, on that a person's death. So basically, when they die, you get the estate. They die, you get whatever they live, leave you, you get it. You know, if you're family, you get, and it's royalty, well, you're the next one in line. All right? So that's yours. You become an heir when someone dies and they leave you something. Ephesians 1.18 says that God has given you the riches of his glory in Christ as your inheritance. Woo! Man. That's pretty good right there. And if you understand the new covenant, Jesus Christ left us a glorious inheritance, didn't he? Right? He did. He did. But, so, what does that mean for you? It means that as a born-again Christian, in today, walking these streets, you have rights and privileges, all right, in Christ, and you just simply need to find out what they are. All right, so you are an heir of God. All right? We come to that agreement. That's who you are in Christ. You are, you are an heir. And Jesus left us an inheritance. All right? Now, some of, the, some of the inheritance we won't receive until we get to heaven. But in this day, you have rights and privileges based on the promises printed in the Word of God. All right? But you've got to know what they are. You've got to know what those are. Essentially, if you put it this way, you, you, the success of your Christian walk all right, it's measured by understanding who you are in Christ, of course, but also understanding what you possess in Him and then taking the initiative to do whatever it is to take advantage of it. All right, 
So that means you're going to have to do some, you're going to have to do some studying. You're going to have to learn a prayer. You're going to learn how, how to pray correctly. All right. And you're going to have to learn how to find the promises of God that deal with whatever the struggle that you're facing in life. All right. So how do you find what belongs to you? Well, in the natural, an inheritance starts in, and is stated in a will, right? In a will. When someone dies, they, if they do it correctly, they leave a will. And it states what you're going to inherit. Well, I'm here to tell you, the Word of God contains God's will and testament telling you what you have inherited. So can you see the importance of why I constantly tell you guys to, you've got to be feeding on the Word. You've got to be reading the Word. You've got to get it in you. you all right? And that's why. All right, because if you don't know what's in it, and if you don't know what the promises are, how will you pray that correctly over your life? You can't do it. But let me tell you something. The promises of God tell you what your rights and privileges are in this day. And they've been given to us through Jesus Christ. But it's up to us to receive those promises. All right? It's up to us. You have to take the initiative. To go after it. You have to take the initiative to, to study your word and to find out what those promises are. All right? Nobody's going to force that on you. Even God himself's not going to force it on you. He gave us free will to make a choice for ourselves. Okay? So, and he wants you to step into what belongs to you. All right? But he's not going to force it. And think about it like this. Um... Keith, if you get, <laughs> he's looking at me like, you've got a deed to your house, right? You do, yeah. You know, we did a, we did a study, I did a study on the, the top paying jobs in, in America, and Keith's job is at number nine. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Well, think of, well, Keith, let me ask you this. You have a deed to your house, right? You have doc, legal documentation that says your house is yours, all right? Well, let me ask you this. What are you going to do when me and Michelle and Hamp and Natalie and we all back a big truck up in your driveway and we start moving our furniture in? You don't answer that. No, You're not allowed to answer when I'm using you as an example, man. <laughs> are you going to sit there and say, oh, well, I guess you guys are coming in. I'm going to move out the back. No, you're not going to do that. None. Why? Because he <laughs> why? Because he has legal documentation of what's his. He has he knows his right. That property is his. So when I come in here and I'm trying to take that property over from him, no, he's gonna get angry. He's gonna be ready to be bold because he knows that's his. You have no right to be here. And what's he gonna do? He's gonna kick my butt out the door. That's what he's got. You shouldn't do that. I'm your pastor, but that's okay. <laughs> but that's what, but it's because he has legal right to that property. It's his, okay? And he can do that because he knows his rights because of the legal, of his legal documentation, all right? Well, let me ask you this. What are you going to do when the devil walks into your house? All right, and he starts stirring up trouble. He starts bringing in sickness. He starts bringing in pain. He starts bringing in chaos. He starts bringing in death, destruction. What are you going to do? Huh? Do you just let him come in and take over and take advantage of you? Absolutely not. This is where the promises of God are so important in your life. 
you need to be bold when he comes in, the, when Satan comes into your life and he's trying to take what you know is yours. You need to be bold about the word of God and know it and be ready and prepared to speak it over him, to cast him out, to rebuke him. And you need to be quick to tell him, I'm an heir of God. This belongs to me. You have no place here, Satan. You get out. I rebuke you now in Jesus' name. Listen, you've got to get, you've got to be bold about it. You've got to be bold about the promises of God because struggles are going to come in your life. They're going to come. Sometimes they come just because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes they come because the enemy's trying to stop you from doing something or trying to keep you in the chaotic realm so you, doesn't, so you don't step in the full potential of what God has for you. Amen. So now, but now, it's up to us whether we receive those promises. All right? It's up to us whether we're going to take the initiative to take advantage of what's ours. All right? It's up to us to whether we're going to spend time in the Word of God to figure out what the promises are over our particular situation. And it's up to us whether we're going to spend time in prayer and praying that over our situation. And it's up to us to whether or not we're going to actually believe the Word of God to be true, that it is true and understand that it's true. And we have to believe it because you have to stand in faith. All right? It's all, it's a lot of, so much is up to us. All right? Whether you live in the freedom that God, God that he belongs as an heir. Oh, boy. Now, you got to learn to stand your ground. It's very important. That's why I tell you sometimes you got to learn to be bold about what the Word of God says you are. you got to be bold about saying what the Word of God says you have. Why? Because, listen, there is a, we're going into a time where people want to question everything. And they want to say and do everything to tear you apart. So you've got to know, you got to know how to fight back. Know how to fight back. Now, how do you claim the promises of God for yourself? Well, simply put, you claim the promises of God. In other words, you claim the Bible and the promises in the, in the Bible over yourself by faith. All right? Faith is very, very important. As a matter of fact, Hebrews eleven six says you can't please God without it, right? Well, let's look at Hebrews eleven thirty three. And 34. Hebrews eleven thirty three and 34. It says, By faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. All right, there was power in faith. Power. Now, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right? That means that you know that you know. When you quote a scripture out of this Bible, when you quote it over your situation, you have faith in the Word of God to the point you may not see the victory, you may not see the breakthrough, you may not see the, 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 the manifestation of what you're believing for yet, but you have faith because you believe that Word without a doubt. You see, doubt and faith do not go hand in hand. You, they do not work together. All right? As a matter of fact, Satan wants you to stay in the realm of doubting the Word of God. All right? But you need to have faith. Faith in God. Faith in His Word and believe that you believe. You know, I remember when, when Anna was little, 
And she came, and we were, I, was in, I was going through Raymond through Bible college then, and she got up one morning, and, well, she didn't get up. She couldn't get up. And she screamed from the, from the bed, and, you know, I can't walk, I can't walk. And so we went in, and, uh, and sure enough, she, could, she couldn't stand up. She'd, we'd try to stand her up, and she would fall down. And she was young, and I was like, man, you know, first thing that happened, first reaction was fear. Of course, I'm a parent. I'm her father. I have to fix this. But, it, but I knew enough scripturally that I quickly went from fear to claiming the healing on her life. Laid hands on her. We prayed for her. All right? We prayed for her, and nothing happened immediately. She, she laid back in the bed. I said, all right. I said, everything is taken care of. I, said, I told Michelle, I said, I want you to take her on to the doctor. You take her on to the doctor. You do everything you can in the natural. But I prayed over and I was believing God for her healing. The price for healing was paid when Jesus shed that blood on the cross. And I was not backing down. I was bold about it right there. And I'm going to tell you what, that was one of the hardest things I ever did was because I went on to school while Michelle took her to the doctor. And this one, and Michelle was like, you sure? I was like, I was like it's okay. It's okay. And so I get a call about 11 o'clock when I'm in school, and they went to the doctor. And uh, the long story short, they couldn't find anything. They couldn't. After about two hours, she was able to, she got her, gained her strength back. Her legs were like jello, and they couldn't explain it. They could not explain it. And he just said, and he said, we saw one little spot on this, that, and the other. He said, I'm going to send you for an x-ray, and then, they went for the x-ray. There was nothing there. And so they couldn't explain it. She was healed. Well, I can explain it. It's because I had faith in the Word of God, and I believed, and I prayed, and I didn't waver from it. I didn't back down at all to the point that I went on and went to school through the whole situation. And, and Amen. And I'm going to tell you, and, and Anna can tell you this day because she still remembers it to this day. I was healed. I was healed. She was quick to tell everybody I was healed, you know. So it was, it was a really, really, it was a cool time. So, and it's also important. God expects you to grow in your faith, all right? He does. Romans one seventeen talks about going from faith to faith, meaning from one level of faith to another. In other words, when you start out walking, a, living a lifestyle of faith, you start out by believing for something small. I've shared the, t- the story about how when I started out, I, I shared, I believed God for a nickel. I mean, it didn't sound like much, but I was new to this thing, and I was like, this faith stuff doesn't work. So I believed God, I needed a nickel. And long story short, I got my nickel to get my drink out of a Coke machine. And this started, I've never looked back. And most of you know, Michelle and I have manifold mercies. And we host Ukrainian kids from Ukraine into the America for three to four weeks, depending on how long the, the, the Ukrainian government allows us to have them. And it's usually a group of about 10 to 13 people. And as you can imagine, 10 to 13 people on an international flight is not cheap. So one hosting program was easily thirty to $40,000. And we only had two to three months to, to raise this. It was all based upon when the government said they could come and when they actually had to fly in. So we had two to three months to believe God for thirty to $40,000. And we've done this multiple times. 
And we knew that in our heart, God was telling us to do this. You do this. See, I wasn't doing this for myself. We were doing this because we were committed and submitted to doing what God called us to do and what he was showing us that he wanted us to do. And he simply provided. And every single time we've hosted, the money came in. $10,000 here, $5,000 here, $2,000. And it was always places that we never, we never would have imagined they would have come from. So it started with believing God for a nickel. And now we had the faith to believe God to fulfill what he's calling me to do, even if it means believing God for $50,000 or whatever. Amen? Well, that's where you got to get, all right? And you obtain faith. Romans ten seventeen tells us right there. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. All right? So you're, 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 you're building your faith right now. All right, hearing the word of God. I encourage people, read your Bible out loud. When you're sitting at home by yourself, read it out loud. You're feeding your spirit, man, on the inside of you. Because he's here, you're, you, you, it may sound crazy, but you should do it. You should do it. All right, so now, in the promises of God work with faith. You've got to mix it with faith. Think of it like a, like a bag of concrete you get it at any of the hardware store. To get the full benefits of what that concrete provides, you've got to mix it with water, right? Otherwise, it's just a pile of dirt. It's the same way with the promises of God. In order for them to work in your life, you've got to mix them with your faith. All right? In other words, you've got to believe that word. You've got to believe the promises of God are true. And you can't have an ounce of doubt. And I don't care if you have to wait for a week, a month, or two months you wait patiently and you don't waver. Believe in the word of God until you see the manifestation of what it is that you're believing for. Now, how do you find the promises that address a problem that you're dealing with? Now, these are, should be self-explanatory, but I'm going to give you these anyway. And number one is simple, reading through your Bible. Okay? That's where the promises are. The, the promises of God are scriptures that you use in context to apply to a struggle or a situation in your life, all right? And as you're reading the Bible, learn. this is where your journal comes in. As you're reading your Bible and you're reading scriptures that deal with situations that you're struggling with in your life, jot them down, write them down. And listen, better yet, if you're reading, and this is really cool when this happens, if you're reading your Bible, and a verse jumps off the pages. I mean, it's almost like it just jumps at you. All right, well, that's the Holy Spirit right there saying, hey, whoa, wait a minute, cowboy, pull the reins back. You need to look at that. You need to focus on that. You may need to take that scripture. You may need to jot it down, and you may need to do a study on it. You may need to do a little meditating on it, allow him to show you some things through it. Amen. But it starts, you find the promises of God by reading your Bible. Number two is use a concordance, all right? You, fire, you, you think of words that, that deal with your situation, whatever you're going through, and you just simply look it up in the concordance, and then you read those verses, all right? And then you get, as the verses apply, you pray them over your life and over your situation. In faith, believe in God through his word that, he will, that you will prevail and that he will bring you the, the victory. Now, Number three, and I put this in here, and look, you can Google any of this. I know you guys are all tech savvy and everything, but hey. Use a promise book, a Bible promise book. All right, now I didn't put that first. I put that last because a Bible promise book, 
It's kind of like the quickie, kind of like the Google way. It doesn't have as big an impact on your life as, you, as, as getting the Word of God and physically digging in on it, spending the time in it yourself, finding the answers for yourself. And uh, that has such a more of an impact on your life than, than just simply Googling it or looking for it in a book. But look, if you're pressed for time, use the book. Use the book or use Google. Now, as with anything, there are mistakes people make when they're looking for a promise of God in His Word to use over their situation. So I'm going to give you a couple of those. So number one, don't confuse a promise with a principle. All right? First, you've got to understand, you can make Scripture say anything you want it to say if you take it out of context, Okay? So don't confuse a promise with a principle. All right? What do I mean by that? A promise is always fulfilled. A promise from God is always fulfilled. A principle just simply states a general truth. And I'll give you an example. Proverbs 22.6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. All right? It's good to do that, right? I do that with all my kids. But simply put, it's not a guarantee, is it? Because that child has to grow up and has to make a choice for himself. All right? Now, so, because it's simply put, because it's not a guarantee, that wouldn't be a promise that you could use, but that would be just a principle. Now, the second, the second thing, and I didn't put these in any specific order, but the second thing, this is probably the most common thing that people make the mistake of. And that is don't. Or do, don't ignore the context in which a scripture is written. All right? This, <laughs> this people make scripture say so much stuff simply by not keeping it in context. Do some homework on it. Study the scripture out. All right? You've got to understand scripture was written a long time ago. You need to understand the original audience that it was written to. Who is writing it? All right? Got it. All of that keeps it into context, all right? Now, number three, people make the mistake of choosing a promise selectively. Simply put, we like to pick promises that kind of only favor what we want out of the scenario, all right? Remember, you can pray, and God's going to answer your prayer, but sometimes His prayer isn't exactly what you're looking for, all right? His prayer lines up with His will over that situation. And I'll give you an example of that would be Exodus 14, 14. We're talking about Israel here. And it says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. And I've, I've heard a lot of people quote that scripture. Well, I'm standing on that scripture in this situation. I don't have to do anything. God's going to handle it all. Well, they've got that a little out of context because if you look about three chapters down down, Israel is commanded not to stand still, but they're commanded to fight. Okay, so that scripture wouldn't stand, that scripture wouldn't apply to you if you were trying to avoid a confrontation, all right, and not willing to want to, to stand up to something that Satan's throwing against you. Now, number four, don't use a promise, let's see if I can get this out, manipulatively, all right, don't try to manipulate God, all right. We look for a promise or a scripture because we want God to act a certain way. We want him to answer a prayer the way we want it to be answered. All right? Don't, manip- don't try to manip- manipulate God. And number five, 
we limit a promise or scripture to our own understanding. All right, what do I mean by that? Don't always try to figure out and have the answers for God. He's pretty smart, all right? And a lot of times we go and we try to find scripture and we say, all right, God, I'm praying for this, I'm believing for this, and you're going to answer this prayer like this and you're going to answer it in this amount of time, blah, 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 blah. Come on, don't limit God by doing that. Don't do that. All right, you find the scripture that contextually applies to what you are going through. Pray that over your situation, over your life, and you believe God in faith until you see the victory manifest. All right? Now, Satan's number one strategy is to keep you locked in a lifestyle of fear and doubt as to the truth of God's word. All right? And simply put, this is why so many people have, and listen, debates are good, but debates can be overboard too, over scripture and theology, all right? Because sometimes you just got to accept it by faith. Accept it because God, that's God's word, all right? It's the same way you accept your salvation, by faith. And, 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 and the, Satan wants to keep you doubting God's word, doubting the promises of God. All right? And if he can keep you in that realm of fear and doubt, remember, fear and doubt do not go to hand in hand with faith. Faith will not operate out of fear. All right? I mean, think about Adam and Eve. How did, how did it, Satan get them, convince them to, create, uh, to commit the first sin? He, by doubting what God said. That's what he did. And why does he do that? Why does he do that? Simply put, in a nutshell, the promises of God that you stand on, and that you pray, all right, that's your weapons to use against him, all right? That's what you use. That's kind of like your bullets to use against him. That's why he wants to keep you questioning and whether or not you believe the truth that is in God's word. Amen? And know this, though. When you're armed with the promises of God, there's nothing, nothing that you can't do. If you are fully submitted fully committed to walking out the plan of God for your life, all right, you can accomplish it all. You can accomplish it all in faith. I mean, think about it. Faith in God's promises, I mean, it's, it's, it's moved mountains. It's, it's, it's restored marriages, families. It, it's healed sicknesses. And eventually it will rule and it will change the world. Amen. And a matter of fact, you need to, you need to get so bold. And I've got a little scripture that I, or not a scripture, a prayer that I keep in my Bible. And when I'm dealing with a situation, I'm quick to pull this out and I quote this. And you don't have to write this down, but this just works for me. I encourage you to do that for yourself. And I'll say it's very simple like this. I'll be like, devil, I believe God's word. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear or feel. I don't care how long it takes for the truth to manifest. I will not be moved off my confidence in God's word. Amen. You got to be that. You got to get that way. You got to be get to a point to where you're so bold that you are going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. You're going to walk in God's best for your life. Amen. Paul and, and Paul even wrote about this in Galatians six nine. It says, "So let's not get tired of doing what is good." At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Listen, don't give up. 
Don't give up. Don't, you see, so many people, people, so many times people pray and they believe in God and they pray and they're expecting that answer immediately. They're expecting the victory immediately. Sometimes it, it doesn't happen that way. All right? And, and it's so hard, especially in today's society with the technology we have where everything is readily available. Your food is readily available. Anything you want is readily available. But one of the biggest components of your Christian walk that we neglect to take advantage of or neglect or we choose to overlook is patience. All right, patience. We've got to learn to be patient and wait on God when you're praying and you're waiting for an answer. It, sometimes it does happen instantly, but more often it does not. So it's a process. And sometimes what you're dealing with is a test. All right? It's a test to see how long you will hang in there and wait until you see that victory. How, to see just how well or, or, or how much faith that you have in God's Word that it truly will work for you. Amen. Glory to God. You know, I want to encourage you to take the time to spend it in the Word of God, to keep that relationship alive, to keep that relationship going, to keep that relationship growing. That's why you want to spend time in prayer, spend time in the Word, pray and cultivate that relationship with you and God so you fully understand that when He's leading you and telling you to take a step, so you can step into whatever it is that God's called you to do. Because, listen, there's more to this life than the career that you're in. You see, your career is a blessing from God so that you can serve in the ministry. Now, I'm not saying full-time ministry. Your ministry is where you're at. Your ministry is your realm of influence, the area around you, the people that you impact around you. This is like Stephen was talking about. We need you to be a light, shining, be the example that people want to be. And see, too often, too often, we have so many struggles in our lives that we can't focus on anybody else, but we only have time to focus on fixing the problems in our own life. All right? And sometimes we, we have to be really quick. And we put ourselves in a lot of these situations based on choices that we make. We do. Your choices have consequences. And so you need to put yourself in a position to where you're quick to judge a decision that you make against the Word of God. It's simple. Well, I think I want to go doing this. Well, what does the Word of God say about going and doing that? Or I want to go and do Move here. Well, what does the Word of God say about moving here? What are your motives? Why do you want to do that? I want to, I'm thinking about changing jobs. Well, have you prayed about that? Is God leading you to change jobs? Is God, is God taking you over here because your season's up here? All right? Take the initiative. Take the initiative. I can't do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. I can help you and I can guide you. And listen, if you ever get to a situation and if you're new to this thing and you're not really sure on how to even study your Bible or anything and you, you're questioning whether you're making the right decision, well, yes, you call. You come see me. We'll talk it out. Now, I can't tell you whether or not to make the decision. I can give you advice on whether or not I would make the decision. Amen. But see, you, you play a role in this. You play a role not just for yourself, but you play a role of whether you're going to walk in the fullness of what God's called you to do, which initially is to impact the kingdom of God in one way or another. And that's your ministry. Amen. Let's pray. 
Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for each and every person here. And I thank you, I hope that they came in, Father, with ears to hear and a heart to receive, Lord. And Father, we just praise you for each and everything that you've done in this church and each and everything that you're going to do through it. And we praise you for the people and the families that you're going to, that are going to come into this church. And Lord, I thank you that as we set our heart on the things that you're calling us to do, Father, I pray that people will draw closer to you. I pray that they'll take the initiative to spend the time in your word, to, to, to draw closer to you and learn who they are in you and learn what you promised them in your word. And Father, I pray that they'll have the boldness, Holy Spirit, and I pray that you come on them and you give them a boldness to be able to stand up in a crowd and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus and to get people saved, Lord. Oh, I pray, Father, I pray that we can impact our community, that we can impact our state, and that we'll go and impact the world, Father, because we all play a part. Father, I I hope they see the value in themselves. I hope they see it. And Father, I pray that each and every person here, that they understand how and when they should spread the gospel, as we talked about last week. Father, it's a very important part. And we're all called to do it. And Father, I pray that each and every person, they'll get a hold of that. They'll grasp it. It'll get in their spirit. And they can be the example and share the testimonies and share the stories and share the life of Jesus and bring people closer to you, Father. And Father, before I close, I want as I close any service, I want to, if there's anybody in here with every head bowed and every eye closed, that doesn't know Jesus or maybe doesn't know him or maybe you do know him and you've backed up a little, you've messed up as most of us have at some point. If there's anybody in here that's done that, I want to pray with you. So I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Looks like we're all family. That's good. That's good. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Well, glory to God. Well, if there's anybody here, if you need prayer for anything, I want you to see me after service. And Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory for each and everything that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.